Welcome to the Laser Therapy Institute weekly podcast, the world's first podcast about medical laser therapy for healthcare providers. Each week, we discuss the latest research, interviews with experts, and how laser therapy can enhance your practice. Now, here is the founder of LTI and your host, Dr. Jason Roundtree. Hey, welcome back to the Laser Therapy Institute weekly podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jason Roundtree, and today's our 40th episode. If you've been with us since early on, thanks for sticking with us. We've been covering a lot of research about laser therapy and how it works, which conditions it can work for. We've talked about... Uh, how to use laser in your practice, how to market, how to grow a laser therapy practice and be a benefit to your community and to your patients. So today, episode number 40, and getting into a question that I get frequently, really, it boils down to this. If laser therapy is so great and there's so much evidence behind it, then why isn't it being used everywhere? Why isn't it in every primary care office? Why don't we have it in every orthopedic surgeon's office? Why isn't it at the oncology department at the hospital? Well, we have standards of care, and standards of care are very important. Standard of care and and guidelines for care can identify what works, what doesn't work, what's safe, what's unsafe, even what's cost-efficient versus what uh, is, is far too expensive to really be supported. And that's good, right? We want to have evidence-based recommendations to really kind of lean on when we're recommending care for patients. So where's the disconnect? Where's the disconnect between this well-supported laser therapy modality and this lack of support in the recommendations and the guidelines? Well, maybe the problem is with the guidelines, not the laser therapy evidence. That's a bold statement, I know. But just wait until I get into this review with you because this is wild. I've never read a review quite like this. These researchers that put this together absolutely destroy the recommendations that were made for using laser to treat knee arthritis. Here's a title real quick before I go any further. It's Guidelines versus Evidence, What We Can Learn from the Australian Guideline for Low-Level Laser Therapy in Knee Osteoarthritis, a Narrative Review. It was published in July of 2020 in Lasers in Medical Science. And these researchers held nothing back. They absolutely tore this guideline up. Before I get into their issues that they found with the guideline itself, I'm going to pull a quote from the article talking about knee osteoarthritis. They say knee osteoarthritis is common and costly, both to the individual due to multiple associated comorbidities, including stroke and cardiovascular disease, and to health systems due to the economic burden it generates. Many of the therapies outlined in these guidelines have low or very low levels of evidence, are compromised by short-term benefit only, serious side effects when used long-term, and are invasive or addictive. The recommended treatments require a long-term commitment to weight loss, psychological support, and regular exercise, all desirable goals, but often unachievable in the real world. Have you seen that in practice? I'm sure you have. Somebody comes in and they're 100 pounds overweight and they hurt everywhere, their back hurts, their knee hurt, you know, hips are problematic. And you know they need to lose weight. And maybe they're trying. Maybe they've been dieting. Heck, maybe they've already lost 40, 50 pounds and they've got another 40 or 50 to go. 
But for every one of those patients that comes in that is willing and able to get in there to start losing weight to help themselves out, there's 10 patients who just won't do it or for whatever reason can't. Many times because their pain levels are so high, every time they try to exercise, they're in much more pain for days. It's discouraging. It means that they can't lose the weight they need to, and especially when they're just being hounded by their doctor to get off of the ibuprofen, to get moving and exercise, it is depressing. That's a whole nother direction. We're not even go today. But these researchers said, look, we need other treatment options in knee osteoarthritis than just this weight management and behavioral coaching. They go on to say that laser therapy offers patients a non-drug, non-invasive treatment with minimal side effects. They say the first randomized controlled trial of laser therapy in knee osteoarthritis was performed in 1987. So we have a long period of time where lots of studies have been done that we can look at. And when we're looking at those studies, they say, look, you should not group laser therapy with other electrotherapy modalities like shockwave and ultrasound and interferential. They say, and I'll quote, this is a meaningless legacy grouping that simply classes the machine as having a switch that can be turned on and off. What comes out of the switched device is critical and differs vastly across the groupings that are listed in the guidelines. The fundamental physics of laser therapy as electromagnetic energy bears nothing in common with shockwave therapy or ultrasound or interferential. That is strong wording right there to say, get it out of your head that laser therapy is just like interferential or diathermy or ultrasound therapy. It is not. It is totally different. So if you're looking at these different modalities, it doesn't matter that it takes electricity to work and that it has an on and off switch. The issue is what comes out of the device. That's what determines how this particular modality works. Now, this is where they start getting into problems, and they are strongly worded, strongly worded complaints about the way this guideline is put together. Number one, for this particular guideline, they say the literature search method was not comprehensive. The latest of the cited papers was published in 2012, even though the guideline was published in 2018. The difference is stark between the latest systematic review with 22 studies which show both clinically and statistically significant pain relief as well as improvement in disability scores. This factor demonstrates the lengthy time frames associated with guideline development by committee and the folly of publishing guidelines that are not reviewed and updated regularly. Holy crap. That's amazing because we've I've seen this before. I've just not seen other researchers really take someone else to task, take a guideline to task for being developed too slowly, not actually looking at all the evidence that's out there because of a poor search, not looking at the most recent evidence. And they say the folly of publishing guidelines that are not reviewed and updated regularly. Yeah, that's absolutely true, right? The last several episodes of this podcast that I've done have been looking at research that was published this year. Brand new studies, over 380 studies published this year on laser therapy. A guideline from 2018 that only looked at studies from as recently as 2012, that is 
far out of date before it was ever even published. Okay, they go on to say another aspect to be reconciled was why the quality of evidence did not appear to be used in a consistent manner when making recommendations. So, in this guideline, they had certain treatments that were recommended, and then laser was one that was not recommended. And what they're saying here is that the subjectivity of the judgment process raises the question as to what values and judgments were the basis of these recommendations. Oh, that's, 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 that's pretty strong. They say the recommendation against laser therapy was because of the considerable cost and time burden to be placed on individuals and that clinicians were required to deliver the intervention two to three times per week. That was their opposition to it. Well, these researchers in this criticism say, look, laser therapy generally only takes 20 to 30 minutes as a maximum amount of time, so that right there is not long at all. As far as cost goes, when you are using laser for knee osteoarthritis, they say the re there is a reduction in the need for knee arthroplasty in patients with knee osteoarthritis treated over six years with obvious economic benefits. As far as clinicians being required to deliver the intervention, they, this paper says many health professionals, including medical practitioners, physiotherapists, nurses, osteopaths, podiatrists, and chiropractors can administer laser therapy either alone or in conjunction with other therapies like exercise. And then they really kill this statement of, oh, well, it has to be done every, you know, two to three times a week. They say, importantly, the therapeutic benefits of laser therapy are based on modulating the underlying pathology and are multifaceted, encompassing tissue repair, modulation of inflammation and neural blockade, which are cumulative over several treatments. So yeah, it's going to take several treatments, but lots of things take several treatments. And this is not just pain relief. We're talking about actually changing the underlying pathology. They go on to say, in contrast, many of the recommended treatments in the guideline are for symptom management only lasting hours, such as NSAIDs, or a few weeks at best, like cortisone injections. The next attack that these researchers level against the guidelines is the lack of expert input during the development of the recommendations. Now, obviously, if you're going to be deciding for or against a particular treatment, you should know a little bit about the treatment. But these researchers say that no experts in the field were consulted. None of the members of the group making the guideline had expert knowledge and understanding of the biological mechanisms and dosing factors of laser therapy. And that's crazy. You wouldn't ask a group of massage therapists to make recommendations on a surgical procedure. Well, you shouldn't be asking unqualified individuals to make a judgment about a therapy that they don't know anything about. And finally, the researchers say that improperly managed guidelines are worse than useless. They say given the rapidity of technological developments, and an exponentially increasing number of publications, our review, this paper we're looking at right now, demonstrates that guidelines can become outdated as soon as they are published. They say the inflexibility of a guideline, which is not updated when new information becomes available, is a failure of evidence-based practice. And that is the whole reason we have guidelines, right? 
is to provide evidence-based practices that are in a patient's best interest. But if you have a guideline that's built in 2018 and hasn't looked at any new studies from the past six years and has no way to amend it as more publications become available and more evidence is published, then that guideline will do patients harm. So why isn't laser therapy part of the standard of care? Why is laser therapy giving, given these uh, against recommendations when it comes to guidelines? Well, the problem's probably not the laser. The problem is the formation of these guidelines, how often they are reviewed and updated. Do they even consider all the evidence that's at hand? And are there even knowledgeable individuals passing judgment on laser therapy. In this case, and not in every case, but in this case, that none of that's true. We have outdated information that's not comprehensively reviewed, that is not even understanding the mechanisms of how laser works, that isn't really looking at all the evidence that should be, and then passing judgment on this critically important modality. So next time you hear somebody criticize laser therapy as being unproven or experimental, realize we have some serious, serious problems with how we handle evidence and how we evaluate these therapies. I encourage you to not simply look at the guidelines, but to look into the nitty-gritty research of what's been done. We'll help you do that. These podcasts are a great way to kind of get into some of the research. If you have specific questions, I would love to hear from you. You can email me, info at lasertherapyinstitute.org. You can also hit us up on the website and find out more about what we do and the training we provide to medical professionals who deliver laser therapy to their patients. That is lasertherapyinstitute.org. This is what we do, and we will be back next week with more in-depth look at the research around laser therapy, how you can use laser to help your patients out. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon. Subscribe now to keep learning about the growing field of laser therapy. Check out our patient-focused podcast, Healing at the Speed of Light, a great resource for your patients. For massive practice growth and improved patient outcomes, become a certified Laser Therapy Institute clinic. Learn how at lasertherapyinstitute.org.